Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. That is the name of the band. That is the name of the guests on this week's episode of the Alton Our Stars podcast. I'm your host, Chris Payne. Thomas and Lonnie from Cardinox are the guests on this show. They are a synth-pop band who just put out their debut album, Portrait, earlier this year on Warner Brothers Records. And they've been kind of leading a double life in the music industry over the years. Way back about 10 years ago, they were together on a in a band called Forgive Durden, who were signed to the label Fueled by Rom, and who's still a big label, big in the pop-punk scene back then. So Forgive Durden, actually, they put out this rock opera album back then, and a good friend of mine from growing up in Jersey actually did a stage adaptation, like a theatrical adaptation of this rock opera about 10 years ago. And, you know, I actually saw Cardinox live this summer doing their current stuff and had no idea these were the same people who did this thing with my friend back in the day. So I since realized that, had him on for the podcast, really just tied it all together. I think, uh, I think that's a good theme for this podcast. We talked about how a lot of people from that scene are still in the industry doing stuff more in a pop direction these days. Talked about rock, talked about pop music in 2016. There's really just, like I said, tying it all together. That's the theme for this episode and if I want to say there's a theme for the Alt and Our Stars podcast altogether, really just interesting conversations, deep talks with people in the world of alternative music. I've been doing this podcast for almost two years now. Some recent guests I've had on, Zach Farrow from Paramore, the band Wild Beasts, writer Andy Greenwald talking about Blink-182, Local Natives, Pup. Go to iTunes, rate, and subscribe to the podcast. It drops almost every week on all different days, so subscribing is a great way to keep up with it. But yeah, that's basically all I have to say for now. Here it is, Cardi Knox, the Alton Our Stars podcast. So Cardi Knox, yeah. in New York City, but here we not, are. not on tour. So what are you guys doing here? Not on tour. That's a great question. We are we're hanging out with you. Okay, we're, that's a great answer to that yeah, question. Yeah, <laughs> we're hanging out. We're, we're getting to, to uh, go and do some press while we're here. And uh, we, you know, we used to live in New York. And so we also are seeing some dear friends and going upstate to Woodstock. Oh. Yeah. And uh, we're pretty excited about that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, we surprised one of our dear friends, actually. It's her birthday. 
Happy dear, birthday, Lynn. Dear friend. Shout out. Shout out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're headed up to Woodstock for the weekend. And uh, we came in a few days early to be in the city and do some press. Do some work. Yeah, but we just finished tour. So we were just here not too long ago. Last mm-hmm. last time I saw you. Yeah. Yeah. When was that? That was, I guess, at the beginning. July 6th. Wow. Boom. Just I only know that because it was the, the second day of tour, which was the day after, which started the day after July 4th. There we so go. Yeah. July 6th. Yeah. So we just wrapped that tour, which was awesome. With Phoebe Ryan mm-hmm. and Secret Weapons and Frankie on some of the shows as well. Um, got to go all over the beautiful US of A and play music. It was pretty rad. You guys have already lived all over, it seems like, because I didn't know New York, but you just mentioned that. And yeah. from Seattle mm-hmm. in Los Angeles now. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we've bounced around. Thomas and I met in Seattle and started working uh, together actually initially on a musical. Uh, yeah, I was gonna get to that because you know I, I saw you guys last month. You yeah. know, I was getting into the album, and then recently reading up, I was like, you guys were Forgive Durden. Yeah, like I was really, really into the Fueled by Ramen. The oh, really? Scene, like that scene. Yeah. Nice. Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> so like, wow. Yeah. All right. I didn't even know that last time. <laughs> Sweet. So do you know Razia Shadow or, or yeah, a Wonderland? good a good friend of mine growing up did a stage adaptation of it. Oh really? For in, in New Jersey. Oh, I think I might have gone to that. Yeah. We were talking about it last oh, really? night. You did. His okay. name's Greg Scalera. Yeah, 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 yeah. I totally remember him. Yeah. So he put on what was probably the, the uh, you know, so we, we basically we we released like the instrumental version of the album and encouraged uh, you know regional theaters and high schools and colleges to to put on the show if they wanted to. And Greg um, put on what was probably like the biggest best version of of those adaptations, and um, it was really really well done actually. And it was a great cast. And and I happened to be here we were playing at that festival bamboozle that, mm-hmm. that is in the meadowlands and so happened to be here and so um yeah he invited me out to the, one of the performances and it was awesome it was really so cool. cool yeah and, and for those listening who might not be familiar uh Razzie's shadow was the the final album put out by forgive Durden, kind of a rock opera exactly yeah exactly a rock opera so yeah we we met uh when I, after all that, I wanted to actually go the next step with it as well and, and adapt it into a full-on staged musical with a, with a you know libretto and everything. And Lonnie's background is theater, um, and we had met briefly. And so we were sort of reintroduced, or I got put back in touch with you and this other um, director, Brandon Ivey. Um, and the three of us kind of started to work on it um, in Seattle, and then it sort of got picked up by a theater here, the public theater, down in Lafayette. And... Um, so yeah, after we started working with them, we ended up moving out here just because if you're trying to make a musical, you kind of got to be in New York. Um, and so yeah, we came out here, worked on that for a little while, and uh, ended up doing like a two-night cabaret kind of performance at Joe's Pub um, with all these Broadway performers and everything. And um, at that point, we were like super kind of burnt out on it a bit, or you know, just like we were kind of beaten down by it a little bit, I guess. Developing a musical is a never-ending process. It's a grind. It's a grind. We were a couple years in, but, you know, from, they say from, like, idea to Broadway is 8 to 12 years. It can take a very long time, even if you're super well-established and, um, you know, credited with other work. So we just needed a little bit of a breather. Yeah, and so while we've been working on it, we... Um, we're also just kind of messing around with like pop songs, and so uh, 
after that Joe's Pub performance, we decided to kind of put the musical on hold and start a band called Cardi Knox. So yeah, Cardi Knox was started out here in New York. Um, mm-hmm. And then we moved to LA uh, about a year and a half ago, like right when we kind of basically when we recorded the album. Let's drop in a song from Rosie's Shadow so the listeners get a feel for it. Which, which it. one do you think would, oh. would exemplify things? Um, life is Looking Up. Yeah, Life is Looking Up probably is, uh, that was like the single off the album. Here it is. What I'm picking up now is Cardi Knox and Razia's overlap for a little bit of time. Yeah, yeah. Um, like like Thomas mentioned, we were working day in and day out on the musical, and we just needed a little bit of a breather. And when we were in Seattle before we'd moved uh, to New York, Thomas produced um, other bands in a, in a friend's studio. Um, and so I would go into the studio occasionally, and we'd kind of, you know, mess around with songwriting and we recorded because well, I had covers. been I had been in music and bands and stuff like that but I but but the musical theater side was all new to me so I was really excited about that but Lonnie had been in theater all life and so, so the music so side band yeah. yeah so she so she, that was kind of like the we give reinvigorated and take <laughs> each um, other's interests and in, yeah these these fields yeah so there was an overlap and Razia's shadow is not dead it certainly will live and on Broadway. It just might be 2027. <laughs> yeah. I think we were saying 2015 for a while. Turns out that's past. <laughs> so, uh, 2027. So 2027 we gives us it. It's a good buffer. Years. Yeah. Yeah, we got time. We got time. Do you think there'd be a Cardi Knox musical? Hmm. I don't know. I gotta go with my gut here, and I'm gonna say no. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I, I no, but but I think that we could develop another musical separately. I just wouldn't want it to li- like be constrained or live within the bounds of kind of what we've created in terms of soundscape for Cardi Knox. Yeah, to me, musicals are so kind of ridiculous in a good way. Yeah, you know, those people are singing about their feelings and about what's happening to them. That when you try and make a musical about a very real story or like about a very modern setting to me it's it's harder for me almost to suspend my disbelief and like follow along if it's a crazy world with all these weird rules and characters and and things that is 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 not of this world or not of this time it's it's much easier for me as a as a viewer to just like get into it so in that sense i feel like we wouldn't we wouldn't make like the you know behind the scenes how cardi knox came to be the musical or something just because it, it would be too reality based i feel like yeah, I'm looking over your shoulder right now in the billboard office where we are. There's yeah. a giant picture of oh, Green yeah. Day, yeah. and there was... American Idiot was American fucking Idiot was great. Good. I can swear, yeah? Yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> you can swear when it comes to American Idiot. <laughs> <laughs> it's what um, Billy Joe would want. It is, true. it is. That w- it was uh, fabulous. We saw it on Broadway. Um, did you see it as well? No. Oh. <laughs> I should have. It was just a spectacular... It was very well done. In, in terms of uh, visuals, it was, yeah, it was. And I didn't even like love the album 
you know, that came out before the musical. But really? once I saw the musical, it like made more sense to me. It like I, yeah, it mm. like made it made the music. It elevated it a lot in my mind. Like the album was written with a story in mind. Yeah, yeah. But to me, it was it was just, you know, Dookie was probably like the f- I think maybe the first record I ever bought actually, either that or Offspring Smash. But um, it, it was you know when a when a band that you knew like way back then is like very big and mainstream, it's it's you often you know you're like oh I like their old stuff better, and so it, I kind of had that feeling about American mm-hmm. Idiot. But the, but the musical really brought it to life in a way that I wasn't able to see or hear, I guess. Um, yeah, it was really well done. Michael Mayer. Directed. Right? Is that his name? Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's good. Super, yeah. Spring Awakening as well, which is, I was just thinking, that's real subjects, very, like, real life. Did he do Next to Normal? Mm, no, that was no. a different guy. Turns out this isn't a musical theater podcast, <laughs> though, so we'll stop boring <laughs> anyone who's listening. Have you seen I Hamilton? Apologize. No, I have not seen Hamilton. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, I think a lot of people want to see it but haven't been able to see it, so right. I don't feel yeah. as guilty with right. that one. Seems impossible to get tickets unless you're yeah. uber rich. Well, I mean, now Lynn Wells not even in it anymore, right. so like that era, right? You know, I mean, it's it's living on, but just the creator not in it anymore. Yeah, changes it. Yeah. So Thomas, you're talking about your background. It seems like punk is what got you into yep. a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Lonnie, with you, was it show tunes? Yeah, show tunes. I grew up doing musical theater. Like uh, Thomas mentioned, that is what um, you know I was doing from like the earliest of ages in summer camp and at school. Did you go to a musical theater summer camp? Oh my god, yeah. So yeah. did I actually. <gasps> did you? <laughs> my parents were really trying to like. It, I was new in town. It was the first summer we moved there. I hadn't started school yet, and I was in a production of Pocahontas. <laughs> Who were you? I was. A that's tree, <laughs> tree number two. I was in the tree ensemble. <laughs> that's that's, a, that's something to be proud I w- of. I wore like a like a brown and green sweatsuit with yeah. leaves and branches on it. Wait, that's so cool. And then I never did any more shows. I don't I don't know why. You can't. It's hard to top the tree. <laughs> you part. can't top the tree. <laughs> Went out uh, on top. Does the tree ensemble have a song? Yeah, there was. I think like Grandma Willow could sing, and we sung background and. Some songs. Some ooze, maybe. I don't know the yeah. nice musical. I don't know that musical either. How yeah. old were you? Like six. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. So young, very yeah. young. Yeah, I. Uh, <laughs> this is last summer. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is this summer. Um, yeah, I I uh, I grew up doing summer camps, all sorts of fun summer camps, and in school, and then I actually studied uh, directing in college at the University of Washington, and. Um, I, I loved it, but I was... And your dad was a huge My dad's music. a huge audiophile junkie, Buff. like, obsessed with, like, tube amplifiers. And he and even had a, um, a label for a Yeah, while. I mean, very small, but, right. yeah, he, he, he instilled a love of music in me from a very early age. Um, but I grew up probably listening more to, like, classic rock. I, I was never really in the punk, emo Emo. Emo world. Uh, that was never my world. But it's interesting because it's like that world seems to have morphed into the pop world in terms of who's, who played in those bands. Um, as, as Thomas and I have like toured and gone to festivals and you see people Thomas runs into every, I mean, it's like your whole blast from the yeah. past that's just reinvented themselves into a new wave. 
Yeah, like you were touring with Jack Antonoff, Bleachers. Yeah, yeah. I'm guessing you maybe knew him back in the Steel Train days. Yeah, yeah. So we toured with Steel Train, and actually our manager was Steel Train's bass player back then. So we're very connected to that. Yeah, who, who I like ran into at the show. And okay, I was like, yeah. Wait, I, you look That's familiar. Right. That's right. I just <laughs> saw you in Steel Train. Yeah. <laughs> they just had a. They just played. Yeah, they played at his at Jack's yeah. festival, Shadow of the City. Yeah. Did you go? Yeah. Awesome. How, how was their set? How was it? It was great. Yeah. We were so yeah. sad yeah. to be missing it. Their parents all came out and played with them. It was yeah. adorable. Oh. They used to do that even when we toured with them in Steel Train. <laughs> There's like Jack's, Jack's dad, dad would come right? out and he would be on tour for like a week and would come out and play. They would do like a cover of, um, I can't remember what song now. Like, I'm picturing like a Glory Days cover. It was like a. It, I think I feel like it was um, Bruce. Yeah, maybe it was mm. Bruce Springsteen, or, or it was like uh, "Get By with a Little Help from My Friends" or something like that. Maybe. That yeah, I can picture that. Anyways, he would come out and play guitar with them, um, and yeah, I mean, just to fully bring it together, like Daniel Silbert, who was the guitar player in Seal Train, like he's a photographer now. Um, and he took Cardi Knox's first photos, like promo photos. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm in a fantasy football league with uh, the, the drummer, John Schiffman, who <laughs> was also the drummer in Bleachers until recently. Who um, else is in the fantasy league? This is like a former scene people fantasy league. It's like a league. lot of Seattle people. So the other drummer from Bleachers, Sean Hutchinson, is also in it. Um, I actually don't know that many people because I was sort of brought in from John, and so it was like their group of people. But I, I think thought you had a music world team there's another music i'm in a few leagues he has a problem i'm in too many leagues i am also in way too many leagues yeah. how many is way too many for you i've tried to, i've done three and that's a little exhausting yeah, yeah three is so too much I mean, let's drop in some some cardi knox music all right wild child boom Check here it, it is <laughs> speaking of <laughs> fantasy football wild child <laughs> makes no sense All about the transitions here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we were talking about the scene and how you've seen this progression of people who were involved in it, in the scene, yeah. into like a more pop direction. Um, yeah. I mean, do you ever feel like you're doing something that a lot of other people are doing? Does that ever bug you? Um, in terms of the sound of like, music? Like following a wave. Mm. Right, right, right. Is that ever like frustrating how trends can kind of come and go yeah or like force your hands and yeah totally I, we've tried to be kind of as aware as we can mm -hmm. of it of that like that we don't want to be too on trendy trend. and too like but yeah it's hard because but you know we're ultimately we're making the music that we like listen, listen to. listening mm -hmm. to which is and care about like when you when we started writing when we started writing music for cardi knox it was a very easy and natural thing to create because that's what we both, that's the type of music that we both were listening to and that we were into. And so people have asked Thomas, like, was it really hard to move away from the Forgive Durden yeah. sound? But I think it's just natural that, you know, your tastes evolve and change. And certainly, you know, being on a major label, um, it, everything takes time. So when you write something, the world isn't going to hear it for a while. And so if you're just chasing, whatever is hot at that moment, 
you're already way behind yeah. the wave. You gotta just try and create what what the heart wants you to create. Yeah, you just gotta, yeah. You know, a really good song is, is gonna work whenever it comes mm-hmm. out. And if you're relying on like, you know, production uh, techniques that are that are really trendy, then it's it's gonna, it's not gonna work. <laughs> it's gotta be out the song. Um, yeah, but I mean, yeah, it's, it's, I'm curious to see, I guess, you know, in a few years, if we, looking back at where Cardi Knox, you know, this album and stuff, if it feels, I don't know if, I guess if it feels like it was too trendy or, or trying to be too trendy or not, I think about that a little bit, mm-hmm. but I don't think. I hope not. Yeah. But only time will tell, I suppose. We'll be able to have that. Yeah. How did Warner first find you guys? Our manager, uh, our manager works with and has worked with um, some A&Rs there and uh, brought a couple of songs actually to Kate Craig who ended up signing this project and uh, she loved it and came into the studio the next day. We were, we were kind of in a unique position in that um, we had been doing a handful of co-writing sessions with different writers and producers in Los Angeles and we went in with uh, John Shanks who um, is a very amazing producer and songwriter and um, we were just supposed to be doing a two-day writing session with him and that turned into you know two weeks turned into two months turned into him committing to to produce the album and this was before we had a label um, but at the same time like when we kind of were getting going with him we had been in talks with another label um, that it seemed like things were going well they were interested in everything so um, you know I'm sure that's I mean, John obviously really took to us mm-hmm. and, and what we were doing, but you know, obviously he wants to be working on music that's gonna see the light of the day. light of day. Yeah, and um, that things kind of like fell apart with that label and that that uh, the discussions there. And so um, he was actually he was really uh, instrumental in sort of lifting us up from the rejection of that and just being like, you fuck know, that. fuck that, don't worry about it. Like let's just go finish this album yeah. and it'll 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 find the home. And so we were still sort of in the middle of, of finishing the album with him when Kate first came in and heard songs and um, we went into Dan McCarroll, the president's office, and um, played them for him and um, everybody was really into it. And 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 one of the coolest things about it was um, they were just like keep just keep doing what you're doing, you know. Like we're we're gonna kind of stand back here and because we like you know where, where it's at and so um it was they were very sort of hands off and in, in that sense and, and let us just continue what we were doing but it was really it was a huge confidence boost obviously mm-hmm. to have a major label uh believe in you know in what we believed in and, and and give us that sort of vindication that we were uh on the right track even though we had just been rejected by a different label <laughs> so it was like sidebar to that was that uh, you know, we had been in talks for quite a while, being courted, so to speak. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, when we when we found out that it was falling apart, the next day we were bummed, and we wrote "Earthquake." Actually, that day, Thomas came to me with like with essentially the chorus, which were all these lyrics that we had been kind of working on, but couldn't find a place for them to come together. Mm-hmm. Um, and they came together perfectly in the chorus of "Earthquake." And he was like, "What do you think of this?" And we wrote the song that day, and that is the song that we brought into the office of Dan McCarroll, who freaked out over it. So it was this, I mean, you hear these stories of this kind of full circle. You never know where inspiration's gonna strike or um, how, but yeah, that's kind of what, that's how it came to be. 
Yeah, you could say every time the door closes, another one opens. <laughs> you could say that. Nicely you done. Very, very nicely night. done, sir. Well, when, when you were when you were saying that was when you wrote Earthquake, as you were starting to say that, I was like, oh, she's gonna say that was when we wrote that song. Oh, Doors. yeah. Uh, no, no. No, a lot of the songs on the album, we it wasn't it wasn't planned like from the beginning that like let's make a song or let's make an album that has a bunch of songs about you know determination and overcoming odds and stuff. But because of what we were going through at the time and 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 um, yeah, we you know multiple songs on the record ended up being about th- that kind of yeah uh, persevering through obstacles and 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 we only really kind of became aware of those themes actually in in hindsight in interviews when we were have to when talk. people yeah. were like so yeah. did you plan this we're like oh no actually we didn't but that's just where our yeah that's where the story our story was hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Do you often find yourself just realizing things through interviews? That was probably the largest revelation that we had um, for this album. Certainly sometimes you'll be asked questions that you, you, know, you just never thought about you know, maybe mm-hmm. how a lyric affects somebody or, um, you know, something super specific. But in terms yeah. of there being like this overarching theme, it kept being told back to us. This is what people were taking away from it. And so we were able to kind of come come to that realization. Yeah, but also things like, you know, we get asked all the time, like, you know, who are our biggest inspirations for Cardi Knox and stuff. And when we started writing songs, we didn't like make a, you know, we weren't like, okay, who should we right. model this sound yeah. after? Who should we, you know, it just, yeah. we just wrote songs. And so in interviews, we've had to be like, you know, who, who really did kind of have the biggest right. effect? Because it's more just artists mm-hmm. that we've loved that have inspired us. But, um, you know, who's, who, who is really, whose fingerprints are on it, so to speak, yeah. you know? So, yeah. Yeah, you, you do sort of learn about it or like you have to. Like forced to articulate. Yeah, exactly. Your thoughts. Yeah. I mean, doing interviews and like interviewing artists, I'm always hoping that something I asked sort of unlocks something that wasn't thought of before. That's a, the sign of a good interviewer. Yeah, yeah. It, it makes me really happy if I'll ask a question and an artist goes like, oh, good question. Yeah. Then like I'll be like, oh, all right, all right. <laughs> I think that really requires listening on your part, too, because mm-hmm. sometimes people, you know, come in with the stock questions they have and you can't necessarily unlock yeah. new answers. You said influences. Way. What are some other ones that come up a lot? Questions? Yeah. You know, just how we how we started writing together. 
So what, okay, where well, I kind of asked that. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, it's always good context. Um, yeah. What else Influences, uh, what our live show is like. People ask what... what uh, we, we, end up, we end up doing a lot of interviews when we're on tour, you know, in different cities and stuff. So a lot of it's about how the tour is going, yeah. where we're going, where we're How playing. we hope people walk away from a live performance. Yeah. The feeling they have. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, to tie it all together, now that Portrait's been out, toured behind it a little bit, how do you feel? What are, what, what's, what's next? I feel good. Ooh, good question. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> uh, we, it's been really cool to tour on this album. Uh, this is our first album. And we actually started touring this year before it was out. So what was really fun was getting to see that that transition of people not knowing any of the songs to knowing a few of the songs to being able to be familiar with the whole album, which I'd say was evidenced most on this last run that we just did, the Boys and Poison tour with Phoebe Ryan. Um, it was really cool to have people singing along with songs that haven't, you know, had any sort of single love or Yeah, because we opened anything. our set on the tour with... Um with Wild Child, um, which obviously was a single, and so see people singing along, you're like, okay, maybe they just know the single, and then we would get to like the next song and the next song, which are like deeper album cuts, and they're still singing along, and you're like, whoa, they actually like, all right, they, they know That's the album, cool. like this is awesome. Yeah. So that was a really cool um, feeling and, and thing to, to see, um, and yeah, so we just finished that tour. We ended up in Seattle, played the Cap- Capitol Hill Block Party, which was cool for us. Um, being from Seattle. Being from Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're actually going to spend the next month about uh, writing, just getting back and writing. We haven't written for a while. You know, we actually finished writing, even though Portrait came out in March. Is that when it came out? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we finished working on it, like, last year. Um, so we haven't written for a while. And so we kind of have, like, some little ideas bubbling. So we're going to spend the month. Um, in the studio. Yeah, in the studio, just kind of writing and see. We just, we when we were just in Seattle, we spent a few days in the studio and we wrote, actually we were asked to be featured on a track and so we wrote on this and it was really fun to just be back in the studio and it's a totally different mindset mm-hmm. for me. Some people are really good at uh, writing while they're on the road and I am in awe of that. It's, uh, yeah, I find it to be really hard just in terms of time and energetically and emotionally where your head's at. It's just a different, it's like two totally separate modes. So it'll be nice to have a, a little breather, and then we'll be back out this fall, I believe. So yeah, we're working on that. But yeah, it's really it'll it, it'll be fun to write because, or I'm looking forward to it at least because it, there's no like pressure. It's just like we have some time where we're not touring, so let's just write some songs. But they're not, you know, it's not really for anything at this point. So it's just kind of get it out there. Yeah, yeah, get it out. Get it get out. out. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like. It could be released. It could yeah. just become just see. creative energy let out. Yeah. We'll totally. see. It could be. It could, could be a Cardi Knox musical. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know what will happen. <laughs> what was the track that you featured on? Um, it's the uh, this the group called the Lost Kings who did a remix. Um, they're like a DJ remixer duo. duo. Uh-huh. Uh huh. There's dudes. not a good. There's not a good way Can to describe duos that like that. What do you, What should we call them? DJ duo. DJ are do. they also producers? Yeah. Because I feel like if you call producers just DJs, it makes them upset. Yeah. Right. But like that's their bread and butter is like 
DJing. Going DJing. But they also, they like, but, they play but their it's own like, we're stuff. serious too. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. They're awesome. They're the greatest guys. They're we actually, yeah. they played this like big EDM festival down in San Diego. And so we went down and so they did a remix of our song On My Way and we performed the song with them and it was just. 6,500 people. This sold out room. Half naked. It was half naked. Mm-hmm. It's, and it was, we went on at 1.30 in the morning. It was crazy. Past my bedtime. <laughs> but everyone else was up. So. Um, anyway, they, uh, so yeah, we wanted to like continue working with them or collaborate with them. And so they sent us, um, a track, um, just an instrumental that they had. And so we spent, um, a few days on that. Yeah. We, we wrote on that and we're really happy with it actually. Yeah. So actually, actually we haven't we sent, to sent it them. to them. If they're, I guess this isn't live streaming. <laughs> if you're listening, we're going to send you the track guys. Yeah. We just finished it like two days ago in Seattle. So we need to send it to them. We wanted to like fix some levels, finish it and, but then like listen to it for a few days. Cause mm-hmm. then like, you know, you notice some things. So got to tweak one or two things but then we'll send it to them and hopefully they'll like it and um it'll get released some in some way yeah so you got stuff coming up yeah, yeah. exciting yeah thank you yeah it is exciting well thanks so much for coming by of course for sure it's really thanks fun. for hanging absolutely thanks had a for good the time chat. potting Potting, casting. I call oh. it casting. I call it potting. I thought it was a really <laughs> thick accent of partying. Potting. Potting. <laughs> it's like weird. <laughs> you don't a, say it's that? It's been a great pod. Cool. I'm yeah. good. All right. Awesome. Cool. Thanks, thanks for having guys. Us. Yeah, so that's the show. Hope you enjoyed my talk with Lonnie and Thomas from Cardinox. I was saying Cardinox before I had the podcast, and I might have even said that during the show, but it's like you emphasize the I. It's like Cardinox when you say it. So anyways, check out their album. It's called Portrait. It's really good on Spotify or Apple Beats, whatever you use. Buy it. Check it out. It's really good. And yeah, like I said at the top of the show, I've been doing the Alt and R Stars for almost two years now, so... Dig into the archives. If you enjoyed this episode, I'm sure there's other artists I've had on the show recently, or maybe not so recently, who you'd be really into hearing. Recent episodes, I've had the writer Andy Greenwald talking about Blink-182 and their new album. Have bands like Pup and Mitski, Local Natives, Zach Fowler from Paramore, all sorts of good stuff. So rate, subscribe to the podcast. Helps so much with everything we do here. So until next week. Uh, take care, guys. Peace out. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.